Good morning, everyone. Put this around here. Gonna have some room for all my stuff. Um, well, I know why a lot, we have a lot of people on this side of the room. I think it's the army of fans coming in from here. So um, definitely uh, appreciate you being here. Hopefully you can hear me over the fans. Um, a couple weeks ago, I challenged everyone with a challenge to read through the Proverbs every single day as we go through this Proverbs series. So I have to ask you, how are we doing with this? Why don't we go ahead and why don't you ask your neighbor how they're doing with this? Let's be honest here. Well, I have to confess that I have been reading the Proverbs, but there has been a couple days where I haven't. But no one's asked me, but I just felt I had to get it off my chest. All right. Today we're going to continue on on our sermon series. And our sermon series is, is entitled Everyday Wisdom. And as everyday people of God, we want to just extract God's everyday wisdom that he has imparted to us in his scripture and in the Proverbs. And we talked about what wisdom was. A couple weeks ago, I brought up a definition. Wisdom is technical skill, but it's not intellectual skill. It's moral and ethical skill for life. And wisdom ensures success as God defines success, not how we define success. And so far, we've answered the question, what is wisdom? That was a couple weeks ago. And then Pastor John last week talked about how do we grow in wisdom. And today we're going to continue on in a message that I've entitled, A Wisdom Lifestyle. And as I started preparing for this message, I started thinking about my dad. Uh, my dad's in California. My dad is a retired air conditioning refrigeration mechanic. My dad is, a, is just a brilliant engineer when it comes to things like that. And as a kid, I would go to work with him. And I can remember the first couple of times I went to work with him. He had this big work truck that had just tons of tools in it. And he would say, Brian, go grab me this. And I'd come back with something like, not that. And he'd go, no, no, I want this. And I'd come back with something else. And this wasn't like, a, I wasn't a little kid. I was a teenager. I, we quickly, we both figured out, like, I'm not really mechanically inclined. Um, really fast. So if you guys need help with something, if you need something lifted, I could do that. But if you need something like actually worked on, that's not me. But I remember getting ready to leave the house and my dad being so mechanically inclined going, Dad, what kind of tools do I need? Like, you have all these tools. Like, what tools do I need? And he said, okay, there's some essential tools that you're going to need just to maintain your lifestyle in your house, to fix things around the house. And today, we're going to talk about the tools that God gives us to live a wisdom lifestyle. So let's go ahead and pray and ask God to open up this time and open our hearts. Father, we come to you right now and we thank you for who you are. I pray that your spirit would just come upon us, would open our hearts, and reveal your truth and your word. We love you and we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I brought my tool toolkit with me. And I just want to share a few of the tools that my dad said that we needed. The first tool my dad said that I was going to need was a screwdriver. Now, we're all familiar with screwdrivers. You go and you, you put the, you know, the end in there, you, you twist it, and the thing about a screwdriver, and when you screw in a screw, is it requires commitments. You can't just go and just go, eh, you, know, you have to make sure the thread's right, you have to make sure that the screw goes all the way down. And it's the same thing with a wisdom lifestyle. 
Wisdom lifestyle requires commitment. Proverbs 4.7 says, the beginning or the starting point of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Get wisdom is a command that implies doing something. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. So just don't get wisdom, but get understanding. Know why you're doing the things you're doing. Just don't go through the motions. It's real easy for us to go through the motions. God wants us to get that get understanding. And I can remember, perhaps you've dealt with this, I remember staying at a place that had a wooden deck, and the craftsman who actually put the deck in didn't screw all the screws in the deck. And so, like, every time you walk across, you'd, like, nub your toe, or, like, kids would get scraped, or whatever, and exposed screws cause damage. And in, in our lives, we have exposed screws at times, because there was a lack of commitment on our part, like there was a lack of commitment on the part of that person making that deck, putting in those screws. And we see that a commitment to God's Word is priceless. We look at Proverbs 3, 13 through 18. It says, Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. So, a commitment to wisdom is priceless. It'll never return void. But here's the thing about commitments. Commitment requires us to give up certain things and prioritize our things in life. Doesn't it? And I think we have commitment problems. So let's ask ourselves, what prevents us from committing? As I thought about this in my own life, the number one thing I think is busyness. We're busy. And when you're busy with things and when you try to spread yourself out, there's a lack of commitment. And when there's a lack of commitment, you end up just going through the motions. And that, it, that, that it goes across all aspects of life. That's, that happens in our relationships. That happens in our work. That happens with everything. We're too busy and we forget that we're finite human beings and there's only so many hours in the day and we try to spread ourselves to a point. And so we, we have to give things up, and we're not good at anything. We just kind of go through the motions and try to weather the storm. It's like, it's like trying to put your finger in all the holes and the water's coming in the boat, right? You remember that, that, that analogy. And we read, getting wisdom will cost you all you have. And when Christ calls us to follow him, this includes committing to his wise precepts that we find in Holy Scripture. You want to know what wisdom is? You've got to look in God's Word. And when you commit to Christ, you're committing to His Word. And we see that the conduit for wisdom starts with the commitment to His Word. So I have to ask you, how has your time in the Word been? How many times did you open this up? How many times did you just delve right into this and find out what God wants and the wisdom that God, God wants for your life? Because here's the thing, and, and follow me on this. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. It matters what God thinks. And you don't know what God thinks until you open up his word and just 
form the depths of his wisdom. And that requires commitment. That requires giving things up and prioritizing and making God your number one priority. It starts with being committed to his word. And I'm going to recommend something to you, and I'm going to start this. Eric and I are going to start this soon. There's an app called Read Scripture app. Read Scripture. Great app. It has videos that are in, involved in it. It's a, it's a very great app. So join us as we go through that. And we're going to start that uh, tomorrow, actually. It, it takes you through the Bible for a whole year, very small um, nuggets. And if you're, if you're not comfortable with that, come find me. We'll talk about how can you dive into Scripture. So that's the first thing. The second thing my dad said that I needed was wire cutters. Wire cutters. I remember being in Iraq. And Iraq, I, w I was doing some communication stuff. And when we first went to Iraq, there was communication wire thrown on top of electrical wire. And they just broke, like you didn't know what wire was what. And they didn't use industry standards. It was just like, hey, whatever wire they could find, they threw it in there. So you didn't know if that was a communication wire or an electrical wire. And there would be times where people would say, just cut the wire. And I'm sitting there going, but that could be an electrical wire. And I do not like electrical work. It scares me. And as you go, and I remember cutting it, it took courage. I had to just go, ready, Lord, please? Cut. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've done it at home. You're just, I hope no one turned this on. It takes courage to cut those wires. In the same way, a wisdom lifestyle requires courage. It requires courage. Proverbs 4.13 says, hold on to instruction or grasp and hold firmly to the message. What message is the, the, the writer of Proverbs saying that we should hold on to? Well, if we look in Scripture, we know it's the gospel. Grasp. Hold on to the gospel. The gospel that says, I am not good enough. That I have fallen short of the glory of God. But Christ, God incarnate, came, lived a perfect life, lived a perfect, wise life. And when I put my faith and trust in Him, God now sees His perfect Son. And His righteousness is imputed to me. And that grace just flows and covers me. I'm destined for heaven in a relationship with God forever. Hold on to that message. Grasp. Hold on to it. Don't let it go. Don't forsake it or leave it behind. Guard it well. Guard it well means behave as expected and submit to that message. For it is your life. No courage is doing the right thing in the midst of adversity and hostility. You would agree on that. And on a daily basis, we're going to be tested on how firm we grasp and hold firm and are identified with Christ and his gospel. Every single day, we're going to be tested. As I started going through this, God really convicted me because I was thinking about all of the times in the workplace. You know, it's spending your whole adult life in, in the military, you are, you are part of a lot of conversations. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And there are conversations that have nothing to do with God that are, a matter of fact, they're anti-God. And you have this decision. All of a sudden, you've been thrust into this position where you can either stand for Christ and the gospel, or you could just kind of not say anything and kind of walk away, or just shake your head and say nothing. And I was so convicted on the times that I did that. It just, I don't ever want to do that I don't ever want to do that. And when we deny the power of the gospel, we deny the very thing that is of life. 
Do you understand that? The gospel sustains us. When we put our faith in Christ, we are united with him, and that message unites us with Christ forever. That's who, our, that's who we are. That's our identity, is in Christ. And when we deny that message, we deny our identity. We deny our Lord, and we deny him of his glory. Let me say that again. We deny him of his glory. Now, some of you might say, well, you don't understand. I can't say things in my workplace. I'll get fired. You don't understand. I can't, I can't just do that. It scares me. And I'm not trying to invalidate those feelings. But it comes down to who, who do we fear more? God or men? And so have courage to live in the truth of the gospel. And we need to stop making excuses for this. Because here's the thing, and this is me just examining my own life. Excuses lead to pragmatism. Excuses lead to, well, I'll just do whatever works so I don't feel bad. And pragmatism leads to compromise. Before you know it, we're not even, our life has nothing to do with the gospel message. We're totally compromised at that point. And the, the question I, I have, or I'm going to pose to you, is how do we do that? How do we remain courageous? in the midst of this culture, in our workplace, at home. How do we do that? There's only one thing. That's preach the gospel to yourself every single day. When you wake in the, uh, up in the morning, preach the gospel to yourself every single day. Preach it. Believe it. You know, every day you wake up and you say, Lord, I can't earn my salvation. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for what Christ did for me. I'm going to live courageously in the truth of the gospel. So we have to preach the gospel to ourselves every single day. You see, blessings of wisdom flow only when we courageously stand firm in the gospel. That's only when they flow. So that's the second thing. The third thing that my dad said I had to have was a wrench. Now, I have a problem with wrenches. The problem I have with wrenches is I like to put all of my strength in tightening the screw with a wrench. What happens when you do that? You shear it, you could strip it. And so when you go and you tighten things, my dad would say, listen, Brian, you can't just wrench it down as hard as you can. There's a sweet spot. You have to have self-control when you're tightening something. And a wisdom lifestyle requires self-control. Proverbs 4.24 says, Keep your mouth free from perversity, or keep it from wrongful use or falsehood or twisting truth. <coughs> keep corrupt talk far from your lips, or remove it, remove deceitful and underhanded communication. Just cut it off. When I was growing up, and I know you guys have heard this many times, like, who remembers sticks and stones may break your bones, but names will never hurt you? Remember that? That's a lie. We all know it's a lie. I don't know who came up with that, but that could be, you know, that's, far, that's so far from the truth. Words have the power to build up or tear down. They have the power to encourage or discourage, to empower or imprison, to proclaim truth or propagate lies. Words can make peace or incite war. Words are used to worship or profane. Words have power. They have a lot of power. Just think about your own life. Think about some of the deep hurts 
that either you've caused or you've received. And it's been from words. And as people of the word who are saved by the word of God, we are called to live according to the power of the spirit of the word, and we must exercise self-control. We have to exercise self-control with the words that come out of our mouth. It's a, it's a weapon. And I know some of you are, are sitting here and you're going, I just can't help myself. It just slips out. And I say that all the time. I'm a bad, I'm bad at interrupting. Very bad at interrupting. Because I just, I just got to say it. I just got to say it. Some of you dealt with that. Please forgive me for that. My wife has to deal with it all the, all of the time. But the fact is, is you can help it. How? How can you help it? Well, if you put your faith in Christ, we are told that the Spirit, part of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. That's one of the gifts God gives us when we put our faith in Christ, is the self-control, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And the question is, well, how can I develop self-control? Because it isn't something that just zaps and all of a sudden we get it. We have to cooperate with the Spirit on this. But how do we get it? How do I develop this? And it made me think when I was in the reconnaissance community, when you go on a patrol, a combat patrol, you walk outside of friendly lines, you'd walk just a little bit out and you'd all, you'd kind of get in a, like a circle, and you would just sit out in enemy territory for about 15, 20 minutes. And what you were doing was, was called SILS. It's an acronym S-L-L-S. It stood for stop, look, listen, and smell. And the point was, is just take a moment before you go on your patrol and just engage all of your senses to what's actually going on so you can react properly when you go out into enemy territory instead of just jumping out there. And in the same way, we need to do the same thing. We need to exercise SILS. We need to stop. We need to evaluate the situation. We need to look. We need to look at the actual situation. What's going on? What's happening right now? We need to listen to the person and what they're actually saying. And we need to smell. And I mean, doesn't really that acronym or that doesn't really go over well. But smell, smell what's going on. Like, what's the aroma of the situation? We need to slow down. We need to exercise self-control over now. So, that's the third thing. The fourth thing my dad said you needed. Was a saw. What's the rule when you use a saw? There you go. Measure twice, cut once. My son Brian and I, when he was younger, I decided we decided to build a birdhouse, and I decided that measure twice, cut cut once would take too long. So, and I like to be efficient. So I said, this is good. I I eyeballed it, cut it up. And instead of a roof, we kind of had a skylight going. All right, the roof didn't the roof didn't quite match up. All right, so when you when you cut something and you're and you're going to saw something, it requires discernment. You need to make sure you're cutting the right thing. And the same thing is with a wisdom lifestyle it requires discernment. Proverbs four twenty six says, "Give careful thought to all the paths of your feet, or give careful thought." to the direction of your life. And be steadfast in your ways. And that means if you live according to truth, you will be above reproach and worthy of belief. Here's the thing. There are no traps or obstacles or devious plots in the path of wisdom. 
the way God is directing us, if we follow God's word, if we take him at his word, there's no obstacles there. God isn't sitting there going, gotcha. He's not doing that. Proverbs 4, 11 and 12 says, I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. So the question is, is how do we end up on the wrong path? How does this happen? How does it happen with us as Christians? We have God's word. How does this happen? The other day, I live off of 114, Eric and I just moved there, and I was trying to get to the Andover, you know, the church in Andover, to be Christian, and I decided I was going to take back roads. And I'm still getting used to roads here. There's like no method to the madness of roads in New England. I don't know what's, but anyways, I'll go down roads. So I go and I decide to take some back roads. Now, and my GPS is telling me to make a right, and I said, the GPS has got to be wrong. You do not make a right here. It's definitely left. I just, it had to be. I knew what was right. I made a left and I ended up in North Reading. I don't know how that happens. Well, I do. I decided what was right. And so we go off the, the wrong path and we start off on the wrong, wrong path. It starts off with a simple thought. It starts off with a thought that, you know what, this is really the way I should go. God's, God's wrong. And instead of quenching that thought and saying, no, I must submit it to God and his wisdom, we throw gasoline on it. And we're under the delusion that we somehow can control that thought. Proverbs 6, 24, uh, 27 says, can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? The answer is no, but we think we can. We think we can give life to this thought and that we're right and there's going to be no consequences to that. So how do we stop it? How do we stop from veering off onto the wrong path? Well, it starts with fixing your gaze on Christ. You have to look straight at Christ and what he wants for your life. You have to take every thought captive to Christ. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish arguments of every intention that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So what does that look like, though? How do I take captive every thought to Christ? Like, what does that look like? I hear you, Brian, but that makes no sense to me. Like, tell me, what does that mean? It's a mindset. It's a mindset that considers God, consults God, includes God, submits God, and listens to God in every decision of your life. And let me just tell you, God cares about every decision of your life. He's not sitting there going, oh, there you go again. I've heard it a million times. No, he says, ask for wisdom and I will give it to you. So when we have a decision in life, even if it's a small or great, we submit it to God. If we have a thought, we submit it to God and we say, is this what you want from me, God? We pray to God. We listen to God. You hear me? Listen to God. We listen to him through his word and through his spirit. God cares about it. Wise discernment is dispensed by the spirit of wisdom to the people of promise. If you put your faith in Christ, you are a person of promise, and he promised to give you that spirit of wisdom and discernment for life. Lastly, my dad said, you need a good knife. Now, this is a carpenter's knife, and I see someone disabled it, so I couldn't go fully extend. Oh, there we go. Um, so I didn't hurt myself, but a knife. You need a good knife, either this knife or just a pocket knife or some knife of some sort so you can cut things. 
And the thing about a knife is you've got to watch out when you use it. You know, a few years ago, I took my two nephews to go camping. It was like a man camp. I just, they, were, they were real little. We were going to go out in the wilderness. And I decided this was a rite of passage. So I went and I bought them little knives. And my sister and my sister-in-law were like, what? You're going to give our kids knives? And I'm like, yeah, what's wrong? Like, I'm their uncle. They have to live with you, not me. So, you know, I said, I'll teach them how to use it. So they go, and my nephew Corbin goes, and I'm showing him, and he's doing a great job. My nephew Doug, on the other hand, takes it, and he just, you know, all over the place. Whoa, hold on, hold on. You know, I have to grab him. He's like, what did I do wrong? I'm like, you're going to kill him. When you have a knife that requires vigilance, you have to guard people from that knife. You have to guard yourself from that knife. It requires vigilance. You know, wisdom lifestyle requires vigilance. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, this is foundational here. Listen to me. This is this final point. I put this final point at the end because if you nod it off during this time, this is the front of points that I want you to listen to. Above all else, guard your heart. Protect the source. Your heart isn't just your feelings, your text is, your mind, your emotions, your knowledge, your conscience, your volition. It's your very being. It's your affections. Guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. The very essence of your being is your heart. And here's the thing. Whatever has a grasp of your heart or your affections controls you. A few years back, when I, was, I got to work on this ship called the SS Curtis, and the captain took me up to the bridge, and I got to go to the helm, and I felt really powerful because I'm like sitting there, and it's not like the old-timey wheel, but still, it was, it was like a, it looked really like a race car wheel, but um, I felt like I'm controlling this huge ship. This is pretty sweet. And in the same way, our affections, our hearts, is like a helm of a ship. Whoever has grasp of that helm in any direction they want to take it, that's where we go. So we must ensure that Christ is at the helm in order to live a wisdom lifestyle. So I have to ask you, who's at the helm of your heart right now? Who has a grasp of your affection? Is it Christ? Maybe you're, you're sitting here and you're like, I don't know. Here's a test. What do you spend your money on? What do you spend your time on? What do you spend your thoughts on? Are they, are they things of the Lord? Are they Christ? You see, our affections manifest themselves in the things that we do. So think about that. Maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, how do I regain the vigor of my affections for Christ I want to have? I want to love Christ. I just am very, I'm struggling with it. I don't know how. I'm just, what, do you, what should I do? You know, when I was when I was a Marine, I would stay in gate guard duty. Our, our whole point was to stay in guard so that no one would come in, unauthorized people would come in. Because when unauthorized people came in, it would shift the focus to those unauthorized people and not on the mission. And so in the same way, we must guard the gates to our hearts. And the gates to our heart are our senses, our eyes, our, our, our ears. We have to guard those things. There's things that we know that take away from Christ. And we have to guard ourselves from those things. And I want to say this. I'm not talking about legalism. 
Legalism says, I have a problem with it, therefore everyone has a problem with it. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is get real with yourself. Get real with God and say, listen, I have a problem with this, Lord. And cut it off. Set up gates. Guard that gate. So that it doesn't affect your very being and who you are. Take away from Christ. Friends, it's time to get radical. It's time to make changes. It's time to get more wisdom. It's time to get more of Christ. You see, the heart that vigilantly, that vigilantly, vigilantly pursues wisdom will never be disappointed because it finds its zenith in Christ. The one that overflows the cup of our affections with joy and satisfaction. Joy and satisfaction. Don't you want that joy and satisfaction? Isn't that what you crave? You have to guard our hearts. So as I close, what changes are you going to make? I want you to think about this this week. As you read the Proverbs every day, like I know everyone's doing, what changes are you going to make? I want you to go to God in prayer and ask Him to expose these, these times in your life, these things in your life that you need to guard. Share them with someone. Share them with your spouse, a friend, someone you can feel comfortable with, a fellow brother or sister of Christ. It's time we stop settling for folly and embrace wisdom. Thrive in wisdom. Live a lifestyle of pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the wisdom that you give us. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray that as we go forward, you would bless us, you would empower us, you would encourage us, and you would help us guard the gate to our hearts as we just diligently pursue you. In Jesus' name.